0: gainesville baptist church please stand and take your hymnal and turn to 490. 490. revive us again we'll sing the first second and last verse Number 490.
1: pray that God will revive us, stir us, challenge us. And that's why we come to church. Church is not just a social club. Church is not a place where we just shake hands, say, how you doing? Give a handshake, get a hug, and then go kumbaya and go back to the way we were. No, church is about knowing God, growing in God, loving him, serving him, because it's all about him. It's not about me. It's all about him. And so that's why we're here on this Sunday morning, to worship Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. We thank you we could come to church on this Sunday morning and worship you. We worship you in spirit and in truth. We thank you for these brothers and sisters in Christ who come today to worship your name, to hear your word, to sing these songs, to fellowship, to give back to you. I pray you bless them for their obedience, for in being in your house this morning, this Sunday morning, we are obedient to your word, and I pray you bless the service today. May Christ be magnified and glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good to see you this morning. Hope you are doing well. Remind you just a couple things. I hope you come back tonight to hear missionary Joe Cottbass. I know there's a, something's going on tonight. People say there's something going on tonight, a little, little scrimmage out there and out there, out west somewhere, a little scrimmage, but I know you folks who love the Lord will come back tonight to church, right? Amen, amen, or oh me, I hope you come back and hear Brother Joe Cottfast, a missionary to the deaf in Peru. That is exactly where Nate Tannehill is, and uh, he called me and said, hey, you want to hear about what Nate's doing? I said, sure. He said, I'm coming by your church on Sunday night. I said, come on, brother. And so you'll hear more about what's going on in Peru and what Nate's doing down there with the deaf in Peru. That's tonight at 6 p.m. Hope you'll be with us tomorrow morning, as usual. We'll be at the Men's Breakfast Fellowship at the 43rd Street Deli at 9 a.m. Hope you'll join us. Of course, Wednesday night service, as always, by the grace of God, we'll have Men's Bible Study this coming Thursday at 7 p.m. And uh, visitation this coming Saturday. If If you've ever said, I'd like to go talk to somebody about Jesus. Uh, Someone just, I just read something, if you want to convict somebody, convict another Christian, ask them a question. Have you ever tried to win someone to Christ? Second question is, when's the last time you tried to do it? Well once a month, we have the opportunity to choose to go out and tell somebody about Jesus Christ. If you've never done that, you said, what do it means to, to share the gospel, what it means to tell people about Jesus? Well, that's what we do. We go down these streets, we knock on doors, we invite them to church. And if the Lord gives us this opportunity, we tell them about Jesus. because you got saved because somebody told you right. Well, how do, they get to, how do they know by us telling them about Jesus? So if you'd like to go with us, this comes Saturday, the 10th, the 12th. That's what we're going to do. Men, there's a retreat that we go to once a year. It's usually in February. This year is February 23rd, 24th. It's a men retreat in Lake Park, Georgia. The speaker is going to be Brother Joe Arthur. It's going to be some good food, good fellowship, and good preaching. Now, I encourage you to sign up to that for that today if possible, to go online at VentureofFaith.com and register for that. There's a sign-up sheet in the back. But it's, it's a great place to go, great preaching, good fellowship. I know it'll be a blessing to you. If you have any questions, please see me. Coming up March 3rd, we're going to have a special missions conference with the Calvary Quartet, who's been here with us, and uh, preacher, evangelist, Brother Bruce Humbert. He'll be the guest speaker that morning after, after church, or that afternoon. We'll have an international potluck meal. So what does that mean? Basically, where are you from? Fix where you're from. We got folks from all over the world. Now I'm from the south, so I'll probably bring some KFC. <laughs> I'll bring some, some, some chicken or something like that. But wherever you're from, fix where you're from. And that will be a, a good thing as we, as we kick off our missions conference. They're the March, on March 3rd. And looking forward to that. Following Wednesday, have Michael Shaver family as they're missionaries to Iceland. Lots of things going on. Looking forward to what God's going to do. Brother Keith.
0: choir is going to sing, surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. take your hymnal and turn to 219 219 little as much Making your way back to your seats, take your hymnal and turn to 507-507, Come Thy Fountain. We'll sing all three verses. Page number 507.
1: for our tithes and offering. Brother Joe, would you pray for the tithes and offerings? Thank you miss robin thank your bibles this morning and turn to colossians chapter 3 colossians chapter 3 this morning while you're turning there i want to thank the lord for a good valentine banquet on friday night we had about 50 folks show up and it was a blessing i want to thank everyone who helped that thank you miss rachel primarily as the head of phoebe for putting that on and that was a good time of food and fellowship brother eric brought a wonderful message about forgiveness and if you didn't come last this last year i hope you get to go next year Colossians chapter 3 this morning as we were going through the Word of God, as I went to a preacher's fellowship uh, last uh, Monday and Tuesday down in Englewood, Florida, one of, the, one of the topics was how to preach, how to preach. They had all these veteran preachers, and one of the, one of the ways to preach, one is, a, is textual, you just take a text and from that text you preach, one is a, more of a subject, a theme, and you find a theme in the Bible and you preach through that. And the sum is expository preaching. Expository preaching is more of taking an entire text or really a book and going verse by verse by verse through that. The reason why I go through use uses expository preaching so that folks don't come on Sunday and say, Preacher, you're preaching on me. You, you heard something I did, and now you, you're going to say, you, that, 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 that's me. No, dear friend, I'm just preaching the next verses. I just preach the next three or four verses, however the Lord leads me, usually in a paragraph form. And the Holy Spirit takes, it takes what he ha- what it has, and, and he uses it for us all. Now remember, the first person that God speaks to is me, because I'm the one preaching to you this morning. So we look at Colossians chapter 3, and we see what the Lord has for each of us this morning. He's writing to this church in Colossians chapter chapter 3 and verse 5, mortify, mortify therefore your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, covetousness, which is idolatry, which things say the wrath of God cometh on the children of, dis, of, dis, of disobedience, in which ye also walked in some time when ye lived in them. But now put off these things, these, anger and wrath and malice and blasphemy, And filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds. Gracious Heavenly Father, we just thank you for today. Thank you for the opportunity once again to preach your word. Lord, this is your word. I'm not giving, I'm not sharing what I think or what I how I feel. I'm simply responsible to read your text and to explain it to the best of my ability. I thank you for this opportunity. Now, Father, I pray that through thy spirit, God, you speak to your people. As you used this letter many, many years ago to speak to the church members there in the church of Colossae, I pray you'd use these words to speak to your people in this house. And Lord, if there be some in this room who, does not, who do not know you, or someone came in who's not sure of their salvation, their relationship with you, may today they be sure of their salvation and on their way to heaven by faith, by, by, by grace, through faith in Jesus Christ alone, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Many years ago, before I was married, I had the opportunity to do an internship in a little, little place called Knoxville, Tennessee. Anybody went through Knoxville, Tennessee? Little, little place up there in Tennessee. You know, it's actually a big place where the Tennessee Volves had the University of, 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 uh, of Tennessee. Tennessee. I got to be a part of a church there and did a little youth internship because my youth pastor asked me to come. But after that was over with and I was no longer working in the church, I had a little bit of time before school start. So I, had to, I was looking for a job and uh, I, I found, I, I can't even remember how I found it, a place to work at, a, at a oil, an oil-filled uh, place, like a Jiffy Lube. I, I think this was like a, a quick oil, I think the place was called Quick Oil. And they had me as uh, the person at the cash register. Uh, And, you know, I would just basically, people would come. I would tell them they had like one, two, or three options. I would tell them what the options were. And they would go, after they drove in, they paid me. And I took their money, put it down, sometimes credit cards, sometimes cash, that kind of thing. But sometimes, being the person, really the person in the office, they would ask me questions about things I didn't know. It asked me questions about what really is the best weight of oil for my car or you know what what do you think about uh, you know of the differential or about the about the engine or about the other areas of a vehicle and i, I was just a guy who said pick a number uh, that's what we're going to what that's what we're going to charge you and and pay the bill that was it now naturally as i was there i got to learn more about it and oftentimes when they ask questions like that i would refer them to some of the mechanics who actually did the work outside but sometimes even though i had that position that made me seem like a position of authority because i was the one who was taking the orders i was the one who was charging the people i didn't always knew know what what i was doing because i really didn't know, know a whole lot about oils a whole lot about engines i was just there to take the money, so that they could go actually get their old change at the place. Why am I saying all that? I'm saying all that because really each one of us are Christians. We have a position in Christ, right? And the Bible says that in Colossians chapter 3. It says, if you've been risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. He's talking to Christians. Paul's writing a, a letter not to unsaved. Not to the infidels that were talked about in Sunday school class. Not to the heathen. Paul is writing to Christians. And and who I am speaking to this morning, I'm speaking to Christians. A church is made up of Christian people. To be a member of this church, you have to be saved, to be baptized. You have to agree to our bylaws, what we believe the Bible teaches. And and then walk forward and and get a, a, a majority of vote by the people who are members of the church. So I'm talking to people who, who are saved, who know God, who, who, who've been saved and baptized. And now most of many of you, most of you are members of the church or thinking about membership of the church. And so Paul is writing to the church and he's saying, hey, you folks who've been risen in Christ, you folks who know Christ, you folks who have a relationship with Christ, it, it's, it, what, what's next? Some people think, well, salvation, that's just that's it. No, no, dear friend, that's a wonderful thing. Praise God the day we got born again. And each one of us, there should be a, we should have a time. We should know there's a time and a place or about that time and place when we were saved. That's the day we're saved. It's the greatest day of your life. It's the most important day of your life. In a million years from now, it won't make a difference how much money you have. It won't make a difference how much you work. It won't make a difference how, many, how big your family will, will be or, or could be or should be. It won't make a difference if you're saved. That's the most important thing in life. Do you know Jesus Christ is your personal Savior? And so that's the beginning of it all. But let me say to your friends that's not it. There's a lot more to to the Christian life than than salvation. Amen? Because Paul goes on to say seek things which are above. He says, look 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 at things above you. Well, not, not the things that are behind you, but seek things that are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand. Set your affection on things above, and not on things of the earth. Why? Because you've been dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall you then shall ye also appear with him in glory. And I spoke about all those things last week, the importance of us. Seeking, seeking God, seeking things that are higher, seeking things that are more, not focusing on the, on the temporal, but focusing on the eternal. And it's supposed, to, it's supposed to a physical thing that we have to do. It's also a mental thing. It's, something, it's in our mind. We have to think about it and dwell on Christ because as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. What you think about is who you are. It's what you are. And so you have to focus on those things and he's encouraging to do that, us to do that. But he goes a step further, not just just seeking those things or setting your affection on those things. He goes in verse 5, and look at the verse. He says, in verse 5, he says, Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth. And You look at that verse, that word uh, mortify, you say, what does that mean? We see this command. What What does it mean to mortify? Well, to mortify literally means to kill or put to death. Put to death. Believers are to make a decisive resolution, a decisive decision to put to death sin in our lives. It's a choice. Just like Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 29: If thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out, cast it from thee. For it's profitable thee that one only of thy members should perish, and not only that thy whole body should be cast in hell. Now, he's not talking about literally taking out your eyes or taking off, c- cutting off your hands. Because if that was true, we would be a sorry bunch coming in this morning, wouldn't we? <laughs> Within 24 hours, I would probably not have any eyes, any ears, any hands, any feet, and that would be a miserable-looking bunch. <laughs> I mean, we wouldn't be a church. We'd be a hospital this morning. In reality, we are a spiritual hospital. He's not talking about just the, the physical so much. He's talking about the spiritual. But interesting enough, through the ages, there are people who took this literally, and, and obviously most of the time we do take the Bible literally. But understand we, there is in the scriptures metaphors the simile, and uh, in such language. But there was a group of people in the Middle Ages that the the, uh, great spiritual leader, Origen, talked about who went up and down the road beating themselves, scourging themselves because every time they would sin, they would do something wrong. They They would try to hurt themselves. And we talked about that that's a false teaching. It's it's talking about asceticism or mysticism or legalism, trying to do something to yourself or trying to keep the law in such a way by if I do these things, I'll be more spiritual. But he's basically saying, hey, there's things in my life that should not be there. I should mortify them. I should destroy them. I I I should get rid of those things. So it's a decision we have to make. And we see it in Romans chapter 6 and verse 1. What shall we say then? Should we continue in sin that grace may abound? What does Paul say? Should I just keep on doing wrong, knowing that God will forgive me, that 1 John 1, 9 is in the Bible? Should I just keep on doing evil and evil and wrong, saying, well, God will forgive me, God will forgive me, God forbid? What does Paul say? Yes, please. No, he said, God forbid. We shouldn't continue in sin the grace more abound God forbid how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein you say as Christians dear friends we don't have to sin we've been freed from the chains of sin at salvation that power of sin is no longer all longer with us no longer on us we've been free we have Liberty in Christ Warren Wisby the great teacher Wrote years ago in England, the pickpocket was caught and convicted. His right hand was cut off. He was caught again. His left hand was cut off. He got to the place of both hands cut cut off. He started thieving with his teeth. (laughs) That's pretty a sad lot, isn't it? (laughs) The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 3, If we live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if you through the Spirit do to mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. You shall live. Now, dear friend, if you went... To the doctor, because you weren't feeling good, and the doctor said, you got cancer, what would you say to him? Well, just leave that joker in there, I think I'll be all right. No, you'd say, doc, how can I get rid of the cancer? Some of you have gone through that. You took radiation, you went through chemotherapy, you went through surgery to get rid of it. If a snake came in the house this morning when you let the cat in, what would you say? Hey, pretty snake, just jump on the bed, I think I'll sleep with you tonight. No, you'd say, get that crazy snake. Where's Eric at? He's not here. Hey, where's that crazy snake? Get that snake out of here. If you got weeds in the garden, as I had yesterday, had these weeds in the garden. I got down on my hands and knees and said, Mr. Weed, you can't stay in the garden anymore. I got to get you out. What do you do? When you got things in your life that should not be there, should you leave them in? No, oh, dear friend, you gotta get them out. You gotta get them out. Anything that will, anything that will hurt you, anything that will harm you in your Christian life, you to get it out. How many of you go to the dentist? I hope I see more hands than that. <laughs> Why do you go to the dentist? Because, well, preacher, sure I brush my teeth, I floss, I wash, I, I, I rinse every day. Yeah, you do, but you, you might want to go to the dentist every six months to get that stuff you can't see. Get, get it taken care of. Get it clean. Get it taken care of. Why? Because you don't want to be an offense to anyone. After all, I have a garage, it is a two-car garage. And remember when the hurricane came last year? It came up and hit, hit the coast over there. It was coming this way. I said, I'm going to put both cars in that garage. But you know what I had to do? To make something ha- need to happen that really need to happen, I said, I got to clean out all this stuff. Now you know the ease of a garage. You know you come in from a long day. It's easy to start setting stuff in the garage, isn't it? Just set it here, set it there, but, and then you, you know, the stuff that you want to someday get rid of, the stuff that needs to go to Goodwill before land it's a pile here and a pile there. Here little pile, there little pile, everywhere a pile, pile. <laughs> Boy, it took me a while to get that garage clean. But dear friend, I did by the grace of God. I got both the cars in. I took a picture and I sent it to my kids. Look here. You've seen stuff and you'll never see, you've never seen, and you may never see it again. But I had to get rid of the stuff so I could get my cars in. Dear friend, do you have anything in your life you need to get rid of? You got stuff in your life that just doesn't, it's not doing you any good. I'm not talking about physical stuff, though it could be physical. I'm talking about spiritual things. It's hurting you and it's hurting the people who love you. No, there's a command mortify it. Don't play with it. Don't say, well, it's not that big a deal. So and so has a bigger problem than me. That's what we want to do, right? It's really not that big a deal. Somebody's got a bigger deal than me. Somebody's got somebody's got more problems than me. Somebody, it, it, you know, we like to blame shift or or compare or criticize others to get the the, the 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 issue off of ourselves. No, it's a command. Get rid of it. Take care of it. And what are the what are the what are the main causes? The main thing the, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that Paul is is writing to the people to get rid of. Well, you go back to chapter. Chapter 3, and then in verse, verse 5, it says, Mortify you there, if your very few members, which upon the earth. And he starts with fornication. In almost every list of sins, this word fornication is usually the first one. We see the command, but what are the causes of us to fail? Fornication, this word is pornea. It refers to sexual sin. The English word pornography derives from this word pornia. It, which means, it means that which is evil, that which is immoral, that which is wrong, that which is outside of marriage, a, a physical relationship with someone outside the marriage. Oh, pornography and immorality is one of the chief sins outside the church and inside the church. I do studies on these things all the time because I try to help men And it's said that 70% of the men in the church look at pornography on a regular basis. 50% 50 of all pastors struggle with pornography. That's what statistics say. It's not a little problem. It's a big problem. Most of the the looking, searching on internet is not G-O-D. It's S-E-X. It's destroying our country. It's destroying families. It's destroying marriages. How many times have I sat across the desk from a lady who just told me their husband is deep into pornography. No wonder their marriage is failing. No wonder they're not raising their kids right. No wonder the problem is his life. If you're staring, if you're looking at things that will destroy you, how can you have a happy marriage? How can you have a good Christian life? You can't. And the Bible says in Acts chapter 15, and verse 20, the council at Jerusalem, that we write unto them that they abstain from pollutions of idols, from fornication, from things that are strangled, and from blood. What does Paul write to the church of Corinthians in chapter 6 and verse 18? Flee fornication. Flee it. Flee immorality. Don't play with it. Don't be around it. Stay away from it. Flee from it. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body. But he that committeth, listen to this, he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. There seems to be in the scripture, as I read the Bible, a hierarchy of sins that destroy people. And there's a hierarchy of sins fornication, immorality, adultery is right up there at the top. So, of all things we should flee, it's immorality. There should not be even a hint of it in our lives. Flee it from it. Run from it. Get away from it. No matter what. But not just immorality. Impurity. Uncleanness. This is more of a general term than immorality. Going beyond the act of the evil thoughts and intentions of the mind. I'll read in Matthew chapter 5, verse 27. You heard that it was said of them by old, Thou should not commit adultery. But I say unto you, whosoever looketh upon a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. It goes past just the, the physical act to the mind, to the intentions, to the thoughts. In Mark chapter 7, verse 21, For within, out of the heart of man, proceedeth evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these things come within that defile the man. Evil behavior begins with evil thoughts. That's why it's so important what you watch. That's why it's so important what you listen to. Because if you watch and listen to the things that are evil or wicked, dear friend, you'll start thinking about those things. And what you start thinking about, before long, you'll start doing. You'll start doing. That's why I so be careful what you think about. Evil thoughts produce sinful behavior. Pure thoughts produce righteous behavior. That's why Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whichever things are honest, whichever things are just, whichever things are pure, whichever things are lovely, whichever things are good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. That's why you hear hear me say, week after week after week after week, read the Word of God. Read the Word of God. Read the Word of God. Study the Word of God. Study the Word of God. Meditate on the Word of God. Meditate on the Word of God. He said, I meditate, I study. Listen to good music, good hymns, and spiritual songs, listening to good preachers. And he said, Preacher, I don't know who to listen to. You come to me, I'll give you fifty. I'll give you fifty good preachers to listen to. And you can just get those within a few minutes right here on your phone. I listen to them regularly as I'm going down the road. Because, dear friend, even as a pastor, my, my mind, my thinking wants to stray. Instead of focusing on the good, it wants to focus on the evil. So I have to intentionally get the Word of God in my mind. I have to intentionally get good music in my mind. I have to intentionally get good preaching in my mind. And I do it regularly. Why? Because, dear friend, if I don't, it will go astray it will go the way it should not go it's talking about impurity but it's also talking about inordinate affection inordinate affection Romans chapter 1 verse 26 for this cause people worship the creation more than creator God gave them over until vile affections for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature and likewise also the men, leaving their natural use to the women burned in their lust one towards another Men with men, working that which is unseemly, receiving in themselves the recompense of the error that was meet. He's saying these things are wrong, this inordinate affection. I talked to a preacher recently, and he was, he was sad and glad at the, at the same time. He's sad because his daughter is getting ready to leave to go to Bible college. but He was glad about that, but he was sad because he's getting ready to lose his, his uh, piano player. And he said to me, I got another piano player, but she will never come to church. I said, why is that? He said, she takes care of 30 cats. He said, take care of 30 cats? He said, she said, I can't come to church and play your piano because I got 30 cats. Dear friends, that's called inordinate affection. That's going overboard. That's loving the creature more than the creator. Oh, thank God, I got two. I don't know how you deal with much more than that. But dear friend you got to get to the place where you don't love things more than jesus you know what you know what you know what loving things or creatures or animals or even people more more than jesus you know what that's called it's called idolatry it's idolatry and it's wicked and it's vile and it keeps us from loving god the way we should he said evil concupiscence 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 4, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor, not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles which know not God. What is evil concupiscence? It's always looking for the new. It's that, okay, J.C. Penney's has a new, has a special on. Oh, that's going to be new. I got to go down there and get it. Oh, man, Bass Pro Shop, they got a new gun. I got to go down there and get it. Oh, man, the, uh, Amazon, they just, they just flashed upon me a new dress, a new gun. I got to get both. And you'll be here next day. It's always got to have the new thing, the more thing. And we think by getting those things that will satisfy, dear friend, how many more things you think will you, you will have that will satisfy that hole in your heart? A hundred things, a thousand things. You can fill your house till it's full and then go to your neighbor's house and say, can I fill yours too? And you still won't have enough stuff in your house to fill the hole that only Jesus Christ can fill. Only God can fill that. You can't fill it with stuff. You can't fill it with things. Evil concupiscence. You can't fill it with, it says, greed or covetousness. Luke chapter 12 and verse 15, he said to them, this is Jesus. This is Jesus saying, he said, take heed. Beware of covetousness. Always wanting more things. Always got to have more things. Listen to what he says. Listen to these words. A man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. Who are you? First and foremost, a Christian. My life is not about my stuff. My life is not about my house. My life is not about my car, my wife's car, my daughter's car my son's car, my things in the house, that old Harley Davidson I gave up. It's not about that. My life is Christ. My life is Christ. And the more I'm willing to die to the things of this earth and live for him, the more he'll use me. But the more I say, my life is things, my life is stuff, my, my life is material things, the less God will use you. Now let me ask you a question. Do you want God to use you? I hope y'all say, yeah, I want God to use me. Then, dear friend, life can't be about your stuff. Life can't be about your things. Life life can't be what you have. It has to be about Jesus. Why, dear friend? Because at the the funeral, we won't see no hearse pull up with a U-Haul back here in the front. We won't see it. We won't say, oh, that's all the stuff from old and say, she's taking it with her. We're going to take her to the burial plot and we're going to to bury all the stuff right beside her. Are we going to bury all the stuff right beside you and you're going to take it with you to heaven? No, dear friend, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. (laughs) No, dear friend, I'm not taking this stuff with me. It's gone. Get rid of your stuff and worship Jesus. Love him with all your heart, your soul, and mind. Focus on things that are higher, things that are nobler, these that have lured my sight. For there's anything that's distracting you? Oh, dear friend, get rid of it. And idolatry, worshiping something rather than God. Exodus chapter 20, verse 3, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. And that's what really all this stuff is about, really. I'm going to worship this stuff more than I'm going to worship Jesus. You know what worship is? It's spending time with you know work can be work can be idolatry no it's a it's a it's a it's a man it's a it's a nice type of idolatry because you can say what are you doing oh I'm working but you can love work more than you love Jesus I've seen men work 70 80 80 90 hours a, a week in their home is falling apart and they think well it's a noble thing I'm gonna work more and I'm doing it for my family yeah but how about spend time with your son how about spend time with your daughter how about time? How about spend time with your wife? How about spend? Well, I gotta work. I gotta work. No, dear friend. How about live with live and focus on less and spend time with them? Every time I go to a preachers' conference, every time I hear men of God who are older talk, talk one of the chief things they say that wish they had done more of: spend time with their family. You see, in the ministry, dear friend, there's always more needs. who, 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 who doesn't need the gospel in Gainesville? Who doesn't need to be helped down at the hospital? There's always more things to do. There's more, always more folks to help. But dear friend, I made a conscious decision when I got in the ministry. I was going to spend time with my wife, my daughter, and my son. No matter what. Because I didn't want to see them be lost. Because I put everything before them. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 14. Wherefore, my dear beloved, flee idolatry. Dear, dear friend, are you putting anything up before God? It's not just these physical things that we focus on. It's also these other things. He, said, he says in chapter 3, there in verse 4 and 6, For which things sake say, uh, say the wrath of God cometh out of the children of disobedience, in which also you walked into some tithes when you lived in them. This he says basically, this is how you used to be. This is how we all used to be. Before salvation, what did I care about? I cared about me. I cared about my stuff. I cared about my things. I, power, I cared about building my kingdom. I cared about what I could get, my car, my 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 stuff. I cared, that's all I cared about because my life was on about me. That's how we used to be. So you, so you can't go just to the regular person and say, well, you know, you shouldn't do it, those shouldn't care about those things. Well, they don't know anything any any different because life's all about that. Life's all about that. He said, but now also, he says, here's another list in verse 8, but now ye also put off these things which are anger and wrath and malice and blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. He goes on, not only immorality, not only impurity, but anger. Deep, smoldering, resentful anger. Are Are you an angry person? Someone says something to you, someone criticizes you, someone does something to you, and it just smolders in your life all day long, and you're angry. And by the end of the day, you're you're slamming the refrigerator door. You're not even speaking right language, you're just mumbling to yourself. You're kicking the cat, kicking the dog, slamming doors, got mad because the boss said something to you, and you just smolder, and you just get angry, and you get mad. Then there's wrath. Wrath isn't that that rangers sl- that slow burning. Wrath <laughs> is when you <laughs> is when you're going down 39th and somebody passes you, you pass them and they pass you and you pass them and before long you jumping outside your car and you shaking fist at them. It's not just a smoldering thing, it's a I'm going to get you right now kind of thing. As I was going down to the preachers conference trying to be all spiritual, you know, getting ready to meet all these preachers and, you know, listening to BBN on the radio and listening to good preaching and you know, I will be happy, happy, happy as my as I see my old brothers in Christ, my old cronies in Christ, my old friends in Christ. I'm going down the road. It's just a two-lane road down there in uh, Englewood, Florida. It's just one road. It's about 14 miles in this one road there had construction on the right construction on the left and we get to a place where it's 55 miles an hour and we got to a a spot where this lady in front of me I don't know who it is I don't know who it is but I find out later this person in front of me is going 50 51 52 and a 55 so naturally I say to myself I'm gonna think I can pass this person I'm i will try to pass this person and interesting enough about two minutes before i get ready to do it another guy goes like two two or three cars behind me and goes around this person so i say to myself when i find a when there's a you know uh you know there's there's a dotted line not the double lines now i know none of you guys would ever go the double lines right Thou shalt not ever go over the double lines. but You know, it's a dotted line. I see the dotted line. I say, okay, dotted line. I'm going to go around. So I see the dotted line. She's going by 52. I'm going to speed up and go around her. And she, the person gets in the other lane and won't let me go around. I think to myself, what in the world? And they do it about again. They do it twice. And I say, here I am trying to be all sanctified and spiritual. I'm going to this preacher's meeting. And this person is acting crazy. I mean, crazy, cuckoo crazy. I finally get around them. I stop at the stoplight, and this lady, young lady, about 25, she's got her phone just looking at me, just videotaping everything I do. So I think to myself, well, I'm going to be on the news tonight. Baptist preacher gets out of the car and does something crazy with the lady in Fort Myers, Englewood. I said, oh, I'm going to resist that temptation to get out there and give her two cents worth. I kept on driving, and I turned into a church. Guess what? She didn't follow me in church. <laughs> not the church I was going to, another church, <laughs> not that church. And she, didn't, she went, around, went around me. Oh, I tell you what, dear friend, 20 years ago, I'd probably be in jail right now. 20 years ago, I'd probably done something, said something I shouldn't have done. I might be in jail right now. Because, dear friend, it's a progressive thing. It doesn't happen all at one moment. It's easy to get angry. It's easy to get mad. Malice. When author wrote, the vicious nature which is bent on doing harm to others. It's easy to get mad. You did something against me, I'm going to do something against you. You said bad about me, I'm going to say bad about you. You said bad about my mother, I'm going to say bad about your father. You say Christians do that all the time. All the time. That's malice. It's malice blasphemy. I know none of you folks crit, cuss at all. Never, never slander, never cuss. Never use God's name in vain. No, 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 not blasphemy or filthy communication. The obscene, the derogatory speech intended to hurt or wound someone. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words never hurt me. You ever you ever you ever hurt somebody by what you say? By what you do? By your, by your filthy communication? Oh, dear friend, no. Our speech shouldn't be used to, t- to, to tear people down. It should be used to build people up, to encourage one another, to help one another, to strengthen one another, to love one another. That's what we should be. And we see it in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking put away from you. I mean, mortify it. Get rid of it with all malice, and be kind to one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. You say, hey, preacher, I, man, I'm struggling with this. How can I, how can I forgive somebody when they said these critical things about me? When they compared me with somebody else? When they did all these hurtful things, man? That, don't you know, man? Don't you know how much that hurt me when they said that? Don't you know how much it, it, it did, it, it did to me when they, when they discouraged me, when they. You say, you know what, you know, what do you do about that? You know what you do? You forgive them. You say, why? Because Christ forgave you. Let me ask you a question. How many times has Christ forgiven you? Every time you ask, he forgives you. Every time someone does something to you, you forgive them. So that sounds right, doesn't it? Christ has forgiven me all. How many, how many things have Christ forgiven me? Why, dear friend, would you want me to put on the screen every bad thing you did last week? You'd run out of the air screaming like a banshee. And I would too. Dear friends, what people have people done against you? You know what you're supposed to do? Forgive them. Brother Eric talked about this Friday night. He talked about the, the, the ruler who had this man work for him. And the man who worked for him owed a great debt. It was millions more than we can even imagine to pay. And the king, the ruler, saw compassion on the man and let him go. But then that man found somebody who owed him. And what that man owed him was just a little bit. It was just pence. It was a small thing. But that man got so upset, he, he, he shook him and he, he mistreated him and he, he made him, the person go to jail. And What was the purpose of the whole thing? To show us that sometimes we won't forgive people we have done small things when we've done great things. Jesus Christ, the blood of Jesus Christ, cleanses us from a little sin, most sin, all sin. And here we are, so-and-so said something they shouldn't have said. So-and-so did something they shouldn't have did. I'm going to hold them. I'm going to hold it against them until they come to me and confess it. Oh dear friend, you're gonna hold that person all along, and let me ask you a question: What good is holding that person in contempt, holding that person, being angry with them all your life? And you know, you know what that you know what that anger, you know what that frustration, you know what that you know what that's going to do? Is it going to hurt that? Is it going to hurt the person you're mad at? Who's it going to hurt? You. Unforgiveness is like drinking poison, thinking it's going to hurt the other person. But all the while it's killing you what's unforgiveness do it destroys marriages it destroys churches it destroys lives it destroys families because people won't forgive have you been forgiven everybody said amen then dear friend you need to forgive you need to forgive the command the causes the consequences you see Sin brings divine judgment, first of all, in unbelievers, people who know not God. For Romans chapter 1, verse 18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and righteousness of men who hold, not the truth of unri- hold not, who hold the truth in unrighteousness. The wrath of God is coming down on people who choose not to trust in God. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 7 and 8, And to you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels and flaming fire, taking on vengeance on them that know not God and obey not the gospel of Lord Jesus Christ. What's going to happen to those who choose not to trust Jesus? God's wrath is going to be poured upon them. You see, I mean, that's the same God, the same God of John 3:16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's the same God. The same Jesus who died on the cross will one day, we read it in Revelation chapter 20, every person who chooses not to trust in Jesus Christ, the wrath of God will be poured out upon them and they will go to a place called the lake of fire forever and ever and ever and ever. But well, dear friend, that's not God's will. It's not God's will that any should perish, but every one that would come to repentance, meaning God's will is for every person to turn from their sinful ways and turn to Christ, place their trust in Christ, who will save them, show them mercy, show them grace. So the consequences brings down divine judgment on unbelievers, but also for the believers as well. You say, well, what if I continue in my sin? You know, I like my stuff. I want to keep my stuff. I like my hatred. It fuels me towards other people. I get mad and I like my anger. I'm not going to forgive that person. No matter what you say, preacher, I'll never forgive so-and-so. Okay. Is there consequences? Yeah. Hebrews chapter 5 or 12. Have you forgotten the exhortation which speak unto you as children? My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, nor fate when thou rebuked of him, for whom the Lord loveth. His child, his children. He chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If you endure, chasteneth God dealeth with you as sons. For what son is he for whom the father chasteth not? For but if you be without chastisement, where you are partakers, then you are bastards and not sons. He's saying, if you're a child of God, there's going to be times in your life because God loves you and cares about you. If you walk away from God in disobedience, there's going to be times that He chastens you and scourges you. You say, preacher, what does it mean for chastening or scourging? I'm going to read you what it says. Chastening means to discipline you. You ever been disciplined? Your, your boss or your mom or your dad told you this is the line, don't cross it, and you said, I'm going to see if I'm going to see what they'll actually do, and you jump up here and cross it. Oh, oh, discipline you lost your job i told you show up at nine o'clock i show up at nine o'clock show up nine o'clock well i think i'll show up at 905 i think i show up 915 come in next day pink slip boss said nine o'clock not 905. he said man that's kind of harsh oh it's true you you said you wanted to work there right you you said you said you wanted to work there and you signed the paper he said you'll be there at nine o'clock it's 905. Oh, I can go into all types of areas, but dear friend, God has has some things for us to do. He wants us to be obedient as sons and daughters. The word scourges actually is even a tougher word. It means to whip. I've seen God take his children, me included, to the woodshed. Because I chose to disobey God in his love, in his mercy, and in his kindness. He's chastened me, and he scourged me. And dear friend, I needed it. I needed it. Don't you know many of you here today, when you were growing up, hopefully you were in a good home, mom and dad gave you a a good old-fashioned spanking when you did wrong. But how many of you know today, you got got away with a lot more than you got caught with? (laughs) You got away with a lot more. Oh, isn't God gracious and merciful to us? and kind to us yes he is but sometimes in god's love he shows his love by helping us see ourselves and doing that, chast- that, that chastening work in our lives you see sin belong- brings divine judgment but sin belongs in the past i'll read two passages and one illustration then i'll go ephesians chapter 2 and verse 2 you hath he quickened he made you alive He's talking about your past, who were dead in trespassing and sin. When time passed, you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. The spirit did not working the children of disobedience, among whom all say we had our conversation, our lifestyle in times past, in the lust of our flesh. He's saying that's who you are in Ephesians chapter 2. You were lost. You followed the world. Your father was the devil because you did his will. You were on your way to a devil's hell. That's who you were. Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and the mind, and we're by nature the children of wrath, even as others. We're all born in this world, sinners, needing a savior. Paul writing to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 7. Know you not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. Fornicators, first one, I told you. Idolaters, adulterers, effeminate, abusers of the temple with mankind, homosexuals, lesbians. He's talking about thieves, covetous, drunkards, revilers, extortioners. They shall not inherit the kingdom of God. A person who continues to practice those sins, those folks aren't saved. They're not going to go to heaven. And he says in verse 11, such were some of you. You know what in this room we have? People who used to be fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, effeminate, abusers of themselves with mankind, thieves, covetous, drunkards, revilers, extortioners. We're, that's, that's who we were, but different that's not even though that's who we were that doesn't mean that's how we had to be now we're different now, such were some of you, but you're washed you're sanctified you're justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ by the spirit of our God. Spurgeon wrote, Christian, what hast thou to do with sin? Hast it not caught thee enough already? Burnt child without play with fire <laughs> It talks about in Proverbs, can a man take sin in his bosom and be not burned? You want to keep playing with fire? You want to keep playing with sin? You want to keep playing with immorality? You want to keep playing with adultery? You want to keep playing with sins that are going to destroy you, anger and malice? You want to keep playing with that? Can a man walk on coal, fire, on on, uh, uh, fire, uh, coals, uh, fill of fire, and be not burned? There is a rhetorical question. Of course he's going to be burned. What? When thou hast already been between the jaws of the lion, wilt thou step a second time into his den? Hast thou not enough of the old serpent? Did, not poison, did, not poison, did he not poison all thy veins once? And wilt thou play upon the whole of the asp and put thy hand upon the cockatrice's den a second time? Oh, be not so mad, so foolish. What's was Spurgeon saying? Don't go back to the way you were. Don't go back to the way you were. You're different now. Live like you're different. I've told the story many times. I'll tell it again. 17 years of age, I was on my way to hell. My nickname was Party Hardy Marty Moon. But April the 15th, 1989, Jesus Christ saved my soul. I started coming to church. I didn't know Genesis from Revelation, I didn't know anything about the Bible, I didn't know, I didn't know anything about Christianity. Pastor said, Come to church. So I showed up by the grace of God Sunday morning, Sunday night. And Wednesday night, I just kept coming. Whatever the preacher said, listened to the word of God, tried to do it. I was 17 years of age. I went to Wade Hampton High School. They called it What's happening in High School. On the football team, on the wrestling team, on the track team. Think sports was, was everything. And what do you do when you're on those teams? You drink. Drink was my life. Alcohol, partying was my life. It was who I was. was who I lived for. Then the preacher. One day, got up and said, "Proverbs chapter 20, verse 1: Wine is a mocker; strong drinking, drinking is a raging. Whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise." I got a choice: drink, be a drunk, or live for Jesus. Had to make a choice. The people I hung with—oh man—they weren't Bible thumpers. <laughs> They weren't talking about Sunday school. They weren't singing Amazing Grace, I sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. No, they were singing some other songs back then. Motley Crue and Hell's Bells and all the above. That was their life. My friends, I did a lot of bad things because I wanted to be liked and be with my friends. And the preacher preached Proverbs 13, verse 20, He that walk with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. So I had to say bye to my foolish friends who only wanted to party and live for the day. Then the girl, I, the girl I was dated, was dating at the time. She didn't, she didn't know Jesus, and she didn't want to know Jesus at the time. Praise God! One day she did get saved. But she wanted to live that party lifestyle, and I had to make a decision: her or Jesus? Her or Jesus? And I read the verse, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4. Marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled. But whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. I could go on for another 30, 40 minutes on specific sins we should get rid of. I'm not. See, I believe right now the Holy Spirit of God is speaking to you about something you need to get rid of. Just like when I was 17, 18, 19, 20, all the way up to now, 52, 52 on a regular basis when the word of God speaks to me as he did even this last week about things in my life that should not be there, I have to make a decision. Jesus or that thing or that someone or that stuff? Do I worship Jesus? You said you love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. Or will you love the other thing? May I ask you this morning, what is that other thing? that other person, that other hobby that Jesus, the Holy Spirit of God is saying to you today, get rid of. It may be anger, it may be stuff, it may be lust, it may be a lot of things, but whatever it is, I promise you, because I've been there, you choose Jesus. When you stand before him, you'll be so glad you did you will be so glad you chose jesus father we thank you for the day we thank you for your mercy we thank you for your grace holy spirit of god speak to our hearts today help us not only see what we need to do help us to do it help us to confess it help us to agree with god no not say well so and so is worse than me no i really don't have a problem that no i'm better than some people no well, it's not that bad, no. Holy Spirit, put your holy finger on what it is in our life that we need to get rid of and decide today, who am I going to live for? Jesus or me? There's just two choices on the shelf, serving God or serving self. Which one is it going to be? If you hear the today and you don't know Jesus, you've never made that one-time decision in your life, one-time decision, like Christ once died on the cross and shed his blood, was buried, and rose again. It's a one-time decision in the history of your life. Have you made a one-time decision to recognize your need? You're seeing yourself as a sinner and you're turning your, turning your back on your sin, repenting of your sin, and turning to Jesus. Have you ever done that, dear friend? The Bible says that we should do that, that we all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We're all born sinners, as I mentioned. But thank God that he communicated, he, he commended his love towards us. And that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. The whole reason why Jesus came and died is to save you from your sin. So you don't have to be trapped in your sin the rest of your life. So you don't have to die and go to a devil's hell forever. He wants to save you from your sin. He wants to give you eternal life. He wants to provide you a perfect place in heaven, a mansion prepared for you. He wants to do all those things. But dear friend, you must choose it today. He's not going to choose it for you. You're here day and say, preacher, I'm not sure I'm saved, but I want to be saved. Would you pray for me? No one's looking around, but I want to pray for you. Anybody like that? I'm not sure I'm a Christian, but I want to be. I'm not sure I'm saved, but I want to be. Would you pray for me? Anybody like that? You're a Christian here that I'm talking to. And you said, preacher, the day God spoke to me about an area of my life I need to get rid of. I might not even mentioned it, but the Holy Spirit speaking to you about your life, area of your life. There's something in my life that should not be. I need to to take care of it. Would you pray for me? Anybody like that this morning? Amen. Praise God. Someone else. It's keeping me. That which I'm doing is keeping me. It's hurting me. And it's hurting the people that I love around me. Maybe you even have people come into you and say, what you're doing is hurting us. It's hurting me. People who love you and care for you, they've tried to come to you. They've tried to talk to you. You're not listening to them. You're saying, that's just how I am. That's just, that's just how I'm made. You're making all these excuses. But no, dear friend, now's the time. And dear friend, God will help you as he's helped me. Now's the time to change. Someone else, preacher, I know I'm struggling with something. I need the grace of God. I need the courage to say, I recognize what the problem is. and I need to do something about it. Would you pray for me? Anybody else? Anybody else? Now's the time, dear friend. Now's the time. Let's stand to our feet. If you're not saved today, I'd love to talk to you about how you can be saved. If you're a Christian here, you know there's something in your life that shouldn't be there. You know it. People around you know it. You're not, you, you, you say, the day is the day I do something about it. You know the best thing to do? You know what I did? One, one, I got drunk one more time after I got saved. The next time I got drunk, I went down to the altar, and I said, by the grace of God, I'll never get drunk the rest of my life. I never have since that day. Oh, tempted many a time but I never did it. But I went down to the altar and said, by the grace of God, I'm making commitment. I'm putting a stake down. How about some of you put a stake down? I'm not going back to that immorality. I'm not going back to that lying. I'm not going back to that adultery. I'm not going back to that whatever it is. I'm putting a stake down today. I'm not going back to it. God being my helper, by the grace of God, I'm not going back to it. As the piano plays, would you come? Would you come? As the piano plays, the altar's open this morning. He said, man, if I come forward, people think I'm a dirty, rotten sinner. It's different. We're all sinners saved by grace. We all need help. We're all struggling. Would you come? open the night this morning would you come we all struggle with something every one of us struggle with something some are willing to admit it maybe it's something you've dealt with in the past it's come back are you willing to take care of it today deal with it today not tomorrow not next week not next year today take care of it today tomorrow you'll be so glad you did the burden will be gone. The excuses will be gone. The prodding by your friends and loved ones will be gone because you've obeyed. The Holy Spirit speaking to you. Would you obey? seated so glad to have brother Dennis and his dear wife Ann. if you will come you can finish that later they've come and a brother Dennis and his wife have told me about their salvation brother Dennis used to be a preacher